This is Art Unbound, the official podcast for the Portland Art Museum and Northwest Film Center. I'm Brian Fariso, the director and chief curator of the Portland Art Museum, and I'm thrilled to be joined by Sylvana Meek, my counterpart at Musée des Beaux-Arts de Rouen in Normandy, France. I've had the pleasure of knowing Sylvain through FRAME, the French-American Museum Exchange, which Portland and Rouen are both members. FRAME has a rich history of connecting museums in its network through exhibitions and education programs for over 20 years, and we're all so appreciative of their support for this podcast. Relevant links can be found in this episode's description and at portlandartmuseum.org slash podcast, where you will also be able to find full episode transcripts both in English and French. Savan, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. How are you? Fine. Thank you, Brian, for inviting me. I'm thrilled also to join. Well, it's uh, it's been a few years since you and I spoke, and I have such a fond memory. I think we had a coffee out outdoors, uh, outside your your wonderful museum, one of my favorite cities, Rouen. And I and I have to ask, um, you know, for me, getting through the the pandemic. Part of it was watching Six Nations rugby, and I think you and I talked about it. And I and I believe France was sort of a a favored uh, team this year. And I was I was disappointed they didn't make it. But I really want to get your take on the other side of the Atlantic on what happened. Yes, we of course the competition was very hard this year, but we are recovering for uh, very bad years. And France is now back in the Six Nation play, so we were very happy to see all those match. But um, it was so tough during the pandemic, and we have to postpone some of them. And um, yes, at the end. Of course, English won, <laughs> but uh, but we were close to won the the, the tournament of Six Nations. But um, I'm sure we will do a very nice um, World Cup in two fifty three in France. Well, you know, one of my favorite things is visiting France, and not only to see. Uh, world-class rugby, but also to see the great museums of France, including yours. Tell me a little bit about your museum right now. W- where are you in the in the pandemic? Are you open? And uh, how are things operating at your museum? Uh, we are now closed since October, and uh, we have been also closed from March to May 2020. And we have been able to reopen during the summer of 2020. And it was very, very interesting to see how people expressed to us they wanted to go back to museum. And not only people who are um, usual in museum, but uh, it was really a need. And uh, it was, of course, a question because we were very... We didn't know what we could expect. But yes, now we are closed and uh, we hope to reopen soon again, maybe in May. Of course, it's very, very long for everybody. Of course, also people are staying home, walking from distance. And it's so long that it's really hard to manage. But of course, we have completely changed the, the way we, we are operating the museums. And we managed to organize new ways for museum, new, new trend. And we will see what, what will happen when we reopen. We will see if it has changed really uh, deeply uh, the museum or not. But f- the first year was very, very uh, surprising. It was like, uh, you know, this, this movie, The Day the Earth Stood Still. Everybody was astonished. 
Uh, now it's something else. We we have to face to the, the life with the virus, and everybody knows how to deal with that. So it's uh, much more a question of uh, a global mood, and uh, I think people have they, they they want to be free now. They want to to be free to go to a restaurant, to cafe, to go uh, anytime outside, and it's. Uh, it's not that they have to be home at 7 p.m. Uh, they, they cannot go to restaurants. The shops are closed. Only, uh, we call essential, uh, shops are open. So it's really not the, the life we know, uh, before. So we will see. Uh, yes. It's, uh, it sounds very similar to, to what we're experiencing over here as well. We've had and, and, you know, again, I think you and I, as leaders of our organizations, have had to uh, pivot, which we say, you know, change course every other month on what we're going to do, mm. open, closed, and and sort of be responsive. And it sounds very similar. It's a global pandemic, and I think it's a global response for museums. Um, for us, we 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 are open, but uh, we're facing. Um, more pressure actually today about perhaps having to close again. Um, there's mm -hmm. a spike right now in these variants. And so we're, we're cautiously optimistic, but again, preparing for potential um, an adjustment here soon. But Sylvan, let me ask you, when, when you're welcoming people back, your museum has some of the great pictures of, of France as well as the Impressionist paintings. Are you finding, and I'm assuming that a lot of your um, audiences are coming to your museum when they're able to, for uh, healing, for a respite, uh, for uh, an escape from what we're looking at. Can you describe a little bit what you're seeing with your audiences? Yes, I'm sure people wanted to come back to museum for an experience, to be in a, in a place where they can think about life and think about future and uh, al also to reconnect with the basis. And I'm sure that collection has a perfect topic for that because uh, we are, of course, in a museum looking to the past, but this past is building the future. I think that people can have a rest in a museum. They are free to discover things, to think about themselves. They can be alone, they can discuss. Uh, there, there is no pressure in a museum. So it's like um, looking to a landscape or for other people to go to the church and something like that. It's a, a moment for, for your own, like uh, the room for your own that uh, we, we heard about. So people were coming also to, to see what has changed in the museum because during the closing time we had we were able to to do some hard works and also we were able to save our impressionist season we had nine impressionist show together that had to open in this time because there is a fine art but also 10 other museums that are united together and uh, in, in summer 2020 we had an impressionist season with uh, several topics like fashion and impressionism or photography and impressionism or ceramic impressionism, uh, contemporary art and impressionism and uh, even botany impressionism. So we were able to set up all these exhibitions and people were really, um, they, they like uh, people, we were very, very interesting to see all those different topics 
and uh, to go from one to the other museum to rediscover the things that they couldn't uh, afford during the closing time. And uh, it's like that, like people rediscover completely their uh, own heritage. That's, that's very, very impressive. Uh, and uh, the feeling they, they sent to us, it was a thank you, etc., etc. So it was very, very encouraging for us. Well, that sounds like I want to get on a plane and go see those because, you know, Sylvana, what I remember about your leadership as well is you're very skilled at sort of pulling together these exhibitions that really capture, I think, the moment. And and what you're talking about here um, sounds really exciting and 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 then pulling together all those resources. There's such a, a great story to be told. Uh, so on the exhibition side, you know, we in the United States have uh, different responses. Some museums are more open than others. It's sort of uneven how uh, my colleagues are able to respond. Our governors for each state has different sort of protocols and orders in place. And so some museums have been open, some are closed. Um, my colleague in Oakland, California, I just spoke to her yesterday. She remains closed, um, maybe opening in May. The National Gallery in Washington, um, I think, is opening in May. So we've got a lot of different unevenness here in the United States on our museum's response to the pandemic and ability to open. What about in France? Is it pretty consistent about with the museums or um, is it depending on the region? It's a state decision because we're waiting that for a signal from the government to reopen. But it may be be reopened with a very strict level of admission, maybe 30% only. And then if the situation goes better from one place to the other, we can maybe move to another level, maybe 50-60% of the usual admission. So we will uh, maybe have different situation in the reopening and the to admit more or less people in uh, some places. But the moment where we were closed was it was in the same time for everybody here in France. And even you are a small or big museum, even your attendance is very big or not, even you have tourism and uh, or not. And uh, that's quite un- unfair because uh, there are many, many museums very close to the people, you know, uh, on, in the territories, not only in the big cities. There are, in France, 1,200 museums. And that means you have a museum very close to your door. And uh, sometimes it's a place where you can be safe, where you can be welcome, when you can, of course, learn. And uh, we would like that museum looks like resources for people. Yes, in some situation, I think it was really unfair to close any museum as um, we were all in the same situation. The Louvre, of course, welcomed so many people in the same time. It's uh, very, very challenging to, to, uh, to open the Louvre. But if you are in a small, very small city, you welcome maybe, I don't know, 200 people a day in a museum. So it's easy to welcome them. It's not the same situation, but okay, we, we have uh, accepted that like uh, a responsibility. We know also that uh, if we are open, uh, we need that the staff come. And so our staff is exposed to the virus. So we, we accept the situation and we start to work in other way and to do more things, for example, digital. But um, we hope that uh, for reopening, it will be more clever and not 
one decision for the whole country. Yes, that makes a lot of sense. And and how do we how do we carve out uh, museums as sort of a a sector that's different than restaurants or cafes or other sectors? And sometimes I think our um, elected officials put us all in one group, and it makes it more challenging. Yes. And especially, like you said, I you know the the Louvre in particular is is in a remarkable place, but it is very much a lot of tourists as well. So one of the beauties of our FRAME program is celebrating the regionalism of French museums and the regionalism of the museums in North America. And the treasures are rich and extensive, and that's ultimately the goal. And I I like your point, Sylvan, and it makes so much sense. This idea that our regional museums are for our communities, Mm. and that's what you're talking about. And whenever I go and visit France and visit your museum, as well as some of the others uh, throughout the country, you can feel that. It's, It's an intimate relationship with the community, which is sometimes different than the larger city museums. So if you get a chance and those listening to the podcast, there are some remarkable treasures in France and the United States all found on our frame website. But let me let me switch a little bit and move into, you know, the other situation we've been facing here in the United States is the social justice movement, which is a continuation of civil rights, which is deeply uh, part of our history here. Um, some of the oppressions that have taken place in the United States. How is this happening in France? How What is happening? What is the conversation there like? I know France as well is dealing with some pretty intense issues on this front. Yes, we, we had this movement called Yellow Vest two years ago. I don't, I don't know if you heard about that in the United yes. States. It was really, really impressive because it, li- it was like the beginning of something like a revolution. It, wa- it was... Uh, Starting from nothing, just taxes on gas, you know, new taxes on gas. And people say, we cannot afford it. We need our, our car to go to, to work. We, we, we don't need anything else. And so they started to protest. They, they have been able to gather a lot of uh, protestations. And, um, it was really hard to deal with that in the cities because there were riots. Uh, really close to the museum. So it was uh, something difficult to manage. And in this discussion, uh, there were no culture, no museums, just we need attention. We need, uh, you, um, you, you respect us and, uh, you cannot decide, f- uh, from Paris that new taxes will affect us. At the end of the month, we have not any, en- enough money. So, uh, for us, emergency is not culture, is not, I don't know, traveling, it's not um, uh, even learning. We just need uh, just more money for the day. And um, uh, that was really, really tough for museum to understand what can we do for people who express that. And last summer, we had some uh, uh, a global survey of uh uh, how people act with culture in France. And this survey is every 10 years. And we had the results last summer and it was really bad. We are back to the, I don't know, the seventies. Uh, museums are a thing for educated people and not for workers. Of course, we made a lot, a lot of improvement during these decades. But the result is now, during these very spe- special times, uh, we, we went back to the, to the survey from the 70s. So 
uh, how can we deal with that? When we are, we, we think that we have to involve much more people in our uh, decision, in our choices. People have to express themselves. They, they can say uh, what they want to see, for example, in our museum, for example, they can vote to put um, works out of storage. And we have to involve people in the museums because we know that uh, if you are close to the museum, if you if you go to see exhibitions, etc., it's much more easy for you in your life, in your professional life, for your career, for your I don't know for for social life. So uh, we have to prove that we are useful to people. Uh, it's not only uh, uh, the storage place. It's it's not a, a place also just for educated people. It's a place for everybody, for usual people. And they will need museum during the, the whole life, after school, after uh, uh, even if the, the school and the family did not give to them what they need, they can find it in museum. It's easy. It's, it's free. Uh, the access to the collection is free here in Rouen. And uh, uh, information is um, verified, if I can say. So we, we give to the people information they need for their self-development, uh, for, their, for their education during their whole life. And that's a new way to consider a museum because um, we have to reorganize display. We have to be much more transdisciplinary. Uh, and we have to deal with a topic from today, uh, diversity, climate change, uh, equity, etc., uh, gender equality, and so on. And this question can be learned, it can be discussed through the collection, through the museum. Museum should be now a place for meeting, for learning, for discussing, and for deciding together what we will do, what we'll, we'll, how we will organize for the future. And uh, that's a museum we would like to promote, but um, of course, it's not organized like that right now. But so we have to do a lot of Lot of work to to be more responsive to the to the desire of the population. I think. So this this survey is fascinating, and this is a survey, Sylvan, that is um, run by the state or the by the, the state by the state, and they they do a sort of a an analysis of visitors' response or community's response to mm -hmm. museums, and you as a leader get that sort of report every ten years. Yes, that's it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that translates very much in a similar way to what's happening in the States. We have uh, an incredible economic divide between people, which is creating a, a wealth gap um, that is um, influencing our museums or impacting, I should say, our museums in a very profound way. And it sounds similar to what I hear is happening, what you described. And for us, it's about how do we uh, make all people feel like they're being seen within organization or within museums or how can they see themselves within yeah. museums. And I think that's a, a concept that is so important um, for all of our museums. It's not just for a, a certain segment of our society. We need to be open to all in the community, accessible for all rather than a few. And I think that's so important. Um, 
we also are addressing these issues in, in many meaningful ways. And I've always found that um, you know, these are incremental changes we as museums need to make with our staffs. And, and our staffs are doing, at least in, here in Portland, a remarkable job of inviting the community in for these conversations of how can we uh, make you feel included and how can we be inclusive institutions rather than um, exclusive. And I think that's really important to this moment. I also find, and and Sylvan, it's interesting here you speak, I find it challenging, but at the same time, exciting to think about because I believe we've gotten into this profession as lifelong learners, people who want to continue to learn and to be challenged to keep ourselves um, moving forward. And uh, I'm excited by the opportunity, although it is daunting at times. How do you feel about this? these changes that are upon us and, and, and how you think about it as a leader in, in your museum? Well, of course, we, we see opportunities even through the pandemic. Uh, for example, the way we went to uh, the digital media during the pandemic, now we are much more able to, to, to give to the people online uh, many things that they can uh, see home. And it's part of uh, inc inclusivity because um, they can... Uh, going to the museum is just uh, one way to discover the collection and the, and the knowledge. Uh, they can, uh, can prepare, they can also uh, remember what the visit before, after the visit. So that was an opportunity and we were obliged to, to, to go to the uh, digital uh, during the pandemic. And now um, I think there are also opportunities with the new young generations because uh, they want really to, to change um, standards. And uh, for example, gender equity, it's so, so huge today. It has changed completely the way we are uh, managing the museums. This topic is in the mind of everybody in the museum, from uh, curator to education, but also uh, people who welcome and so on. So the way we are uh, displaying the collection, the way we are organizing exhibitions, we have the, the gender equity inside from the beginning. So that has changed a lot. So we can just do that for all the topics we need to be responsive, like social um, uh, justice, and uh, diversity, and you are very, you are right when you see uh, people have to see themselves in the museum. And uh, today, our community are very diverse, much more diverse than uh, in the past. And uh, of course, uh, the work of art we 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 conserve, we we, we display, uh, they are not uh, the reflect of the diversity of today. So uh, that's so and. Even for the gender equity, for example, we know that uh, our, for the work of art we have, I don't know, we have only, I don't know, 10% uh, of wo women artists in the collection. That's history. But you don't have enough female artists in your collection, but you have to have a position about that. You have to say it to the public. You have to explain it to the public and you have to show it in your museum, even if you have nothing to show. You have just to, it has, it, things have to be uh, explained to the public. And so uh, the context is really important, but this discussion is not from high to uh, 
bottom. It's from uh, it's it's in, in on the same same basis, same level. Um, as curators, we can have a position like an expert, but as citizen, we are on the same level. So it's really interesting to to see how people can question you and, and uh, question the museum uh, about um, this uh, this issue of today. And I think I think th- this is our opportunity to change quicker than we are usually. Yes, so true. And it is forcing us to change in, in, in ways very quickly. You're absolutely right. Savan, let me ask you, is does that also get reflected in the objects you collect? Are you active collecting, um, uh, acquiring objects? Uh, here we are, you know, we continue to collect, but we're also trying to represent uh, a much broader um, what we call canon in art history or of the moment, you know, more diversity, more women artists, more BIPOC artists, black, indigenous, people of color, um, artists, among others. So, you know, this is a, an initiative. So is that happening in France as well? It's coming, yes. Uh, w- w- here in Rouen, for example, about gender equity, we did a survey about uh, f- uh, women artists in our collection. So now we know precisely what we have, what we don't don't have. And so we know what we have to acquire. And uh, if you don't do that before, you, you cannot uh, have a, a strategy. But uh, now you can see on the market, uh, women artists are trying to be very high. <laughs> it's but So we have to go fast uh, to be the first. But uh, there, are, there are many, many opportunities uh, to uh, balance uh, our collections. But um, it's not only about uh, only art collection. We have also antiquities and we have also natural science history, uh, textile, and uh, and so on. So it's a global uh, desire to be much more diverse and to find um, opportunities that uh, can explain the context where the collection have been collected. So if you, for I don't know, for example, we... we uh, about um, archaeology, uh, you have some women archaeolo- who are archaeologists, and uh, in your collection, you have to find to go to this uh, scientist, uh, woman scientist, and to to have archives, to have uh, items uh, that they they have studied and they produce on your on your territory in your community, and it's not only a question of art; it's, uh, diversity in all fields. And uh, even if, when you are uh, like Rouen, uh, an arbor f- from a place where uh, people came and uh, and uh, went to to discover the world, and there is a, a responsibility, uh, an historic responsibility, um, facing the this history because uh, in the 17th century, Rouen was one of the places where ships uh, were going in Africa to uh, trade slave to America and come back with uh, sugar and cotton and so on. Of course, we have very few things in our collection about that. So we have to increase our collection on these fields and to be uh, ready to explain that to the public. Uh, so we we have to also to learn more about this uh, history, which is... Uh, Little known here in Normandy, and uh, and same things for 
for every uh, topic in our collection to see the context where they were collected. And when, when, you know, in France, we had a colonial empire. So many things were collected during this uh, centuries, 19th century, uh, through the colonial expansion. So all those objects are interesting for themselves, but we have to explain how they came to here in the museum. And you cannot just exhibit them for themselves. You have to explain uh, the world context. Yes, the history of the provenance is, is part of the storytelling. And um, I think for us, our curators are actually energized by this conversation because many of them are trained to, to ask the questions, to be critical thinkers, to, to think anew about how we approach our objects. And I, and I find it exciting. It's, uh, it's stretching all of us, I think, intellectually on how we approach our field. Are you finding in France the Academy is preparing the next generation of curators and leaders in this thought? I'm assuming yes, but, uh, but, but curious how you see it. Yes, I think the, the new the young curator are much more aware about these questions and uh, they deal with these questions from the beginning. So I think uh, it will be much more easier to work uh, in this direction with them. But sometimes I find uh, some some academic people or students, uh, they have a very radical position, much more radical than the older people. And um, in a way, you, you need that because it's... Uh, Part of the strategy to put the the the, the subject in, in uh, on, on the light in the light, but in another way we have to find way to discuss and to be united together. And uh, you know, in France, like in in United States, we have deep shifts between some people in the population. For example, people uh, coming from the old uh, colonial territories and people coming from France and people who were uh, French people who uh, settled in Algeria, for example, and went back to France after uh, independence. Um, and those people, uh, now they are old, but the, the sons, the grandson, they are living the same mood and, and they have to, to, everybody has to, to reconsider the past and to consider the situation of today. And, and what we know that we have to discuss together. We have to confront. We have to confront the memories and to hear the other part. And uh, it's not the question is not to be much more radical than the other one. We we have to to find a way to to be together. And I think that's probably the ultimate challenge for us as museum directors right now. How do we build those bridges? What's the scaffolding look like um, between? the energy and the enthusiasm for change and the, um, the, the desire for some to, to look to the past and stay the same. And the answer is somewhere in between is how do we build those bridges? And I think that's really comes through our offices often mm. and, and the conversations in, in, in our day to day. Uh, shifting topics, I think another thing or another crisis that is hitting us and you know, I think it's relevant to the uh, to France in particular as well with the Paris Accord is climate change. And I, I've been talking to my co colleagues about this. I think the pandemic, the social justice movement, climate change are all coming together to create one 
moment in time for all of us as leaders and museums because these issues are intersecting um, and impacting our museums in, in profound ways. So for example, last year, I don't know if you saw Savan in Oregon, we had wildfires mm -hmm. beyond anything we could ever imagine. And people ask, well, how did that affect the museum? I had many staff who actually were in uh, harm's way from the fires. So we had to close the museum because the air quality was so bad in our state. Um, I know we offered refuge for not only our staff, but also community members in the museum because it's sometimes a safer space than some of the homes out in the in the countryside. And I, I think that is just one part of, of something that we're going to be dealing with. We all face energy costs, antiquated buildings. Um, you and I have worked in a system where travel is extensive, loan exhibitions. All of these things are part of, I think, the the issues around climate change. W what are you seeing from your perspective on these topics and what's the conversation like in France? Uh, these subjects are now very, very high in the conversations. But how, how we deal with that in museum, it's quite a new, a new subject. I think that uh, the biggest museum in France, like the Louvre and Orsay and Saint Pompidou, they face that before us because they, they Everything is bigger. Everything is bigger, you know, in those museums. So yes. it's a, yes. it become very, very urgent for them to have a, a strategy uh, for climate. I think in the museum world, it is changing relatively quick now. And uh, during the pandemic, after, uh, as you said, it's uh, on the intersection because uh, because of the pandemic, we were not able to uh, have loans from abroad. And uh, all the museums in the world, they are focusing on their collection. And um, in fact, we, we started to, to change our policies uh, about borrowing works from abroad uh, some, some years ago, because we just see, saw that it, it became so complicated and so expensive to have loans coming from, from uh, very, for foreign countries that it became like, in a way, like for a movie, like a blockbuster movie. You can afford it, of course, but the risk is very high. And so if you, if it's a failure, everything is going bad for you, for your museum and uh, for us, for our cities. So we can just, you cannot afford to be exposed in such risk. So, um, you, you know, for example, we have uh, an impressionist festival every four years, and uh, I've, I did three uh, impressionist festivals, so I've seen that changing. Uh, the first one, I had 40 Monet painting. I, I was very proud of that. And uh, <laughs> the second one, we, have, we had all, all, also, I don't know, half of the painting were coming from foreign countries. But last year, during the pandemic, if if we had the same situation, we couldn't just open the show because with the pandemic, it was impossible to gather um, uh, works from abroad. So we, we, we changed four years ago. And last year, we had three... 150 items in our, in nine exhibition and only 3% were coming from foreign countries. So even with the pandemic, we were able to open the show. 
And uh, that was a good lesson for us uh, because we divide the risk in uh, several exhibitions, several topics. I told you botany and uh, ceramic and, and work of art and so on and painting. And so not the same lenders, not the same kind of works, not the same provenance. And uh, at the end, we were able to open the nine show and people are very happy to see them. So uh, that was a good lesson. So I think that things are changing. Now we are much more able to, for example, to um, manage loans without a career. Uh, and that's a new way for uh, lending works, works abroad. You know, for, I don't know if people are, are aware about that, but when, when you send a painting or a work of art, uh, in another country, uh, usually a career is accompanying the, the work and it's very complicated, expensive, <laughs> of course. And now, um, we, we find solutions, for example, to avoid that. So it's less carbon, it's less, uh, it's less ex- expensive. And, um, I think we have created new way for, uh, a landing works abroad during the pandemic. Of course, we reduce our uh, exposition to risk. So we reduce uh, how many uh, works are coming from uh, far away. But it's also a very creative moment because in a way it's easy to ask for masterpieces that everybody knows. And we know very well where they are. It's much more harder to create a show without a famous masterpiece with with uh, things you have to rediscover in your collection or in private collection or in a museum very close to you. And uh, we, we experienced that with our last shows. And so we know that now our carbon balance is much better in a, in a show for an exhibition than before. But it's not the only way to, to be active for climate change. Of course, the Buildings, uh, when you see the, the, all the museums that have been built since 20, 30 years, they are not designed for climate change. A lot of glass, large windows, glasses, and so on. So when you look back to museums built in the, ni- in the 19th century, it's much better. There are strong walls and so on. So we have to, when, to be aware about that. And when you create a new wing, a new storage area, new, etc., you have to have this in mind. But it's a, not only museums, that's a general situation for all uh, people uh, leading uh, organization. Uh, I think museums have to, uh, they can be partner for uh, educate about climate changing because when you look back to the, our collection, landscapes, I don't know, herbarium, everything is talking about uh, ecology from before, from the past. And so you can learn a lot. It's like an archive, a climate archive. Our collection are like climate archives. So uh, I think to educate people, to warn people about climate changing, museums are, are good places. Yes, you know, the both landscape movements in France and the United States celebrated the beauty of the natural world. And I think you're right. And how can we continue to bring attention to this issue, not only visually, but also, I believe, um, what you talked about is how do we do it economically and, and be more better, sm- better, smarter. better stewards mm-hmm. of our smarter mm-hmm. and be smarter mm-hmm. in our exhibition planning. You know, I think it's also a part 
uh, a role that Frame can continue to play. I know many of us have sort of collections and and whole collections of stories within our institutions. And so partnering one-on-one rather than with 70 organizations um, can really create some wonderful efficiencies and opportunities for our audiences. And it's, it's exciting. And I appreciate you talking about that because I think it's very similar here in the States. And Sylvan, you're right. I mean, I think the way we work um, is changing and it's, uh, it's, it's interesting to reflect on the first podcast we did with, with Frame and, and our partnership with the Petit Palais. There was a conversation between our two institutions, the Petit Palais and the Portland Art Museum, and how, how the exhibition future will probably change because of the pandemic. And also you and I are, are reflecting on climate change. So it's all coming full circle, I think, in this conversation. So uh, other topics, anything else before we sort of wind down here, Sylvan, that you're thinking about or you want to talk about your museum? Um, before we close. Yes, uh, I, I, w- I wanted just to invite people to come to France and to visit us, of course, and just to tell also to the people that w- we are not focused on one century or one uh, topic. We are now experiencing much more uh, diversity in our collection and how, how uh, you know, think from the past, think from the uh, medieval ages and things from the modernity, how all that is a new story of our of our knowledge of our our culture, and uh, we are now, for example, experiencing to take a book and to adapt it as an exhibition, and uh, we, we we just are installing uh, an exhibition called Salambo, and Salambo is uh, originally a novel by Gustave Flaubert, who has uh, reinvented uh, the past during the Punic War in Cartagena, and uh, of course the story is much it's it's very it's very funny story not funny very fancy story uh, with uh, desire passion uh, wars uh, elephant uh, snakes and so on it's very very uh, nice and you can see that uh, artists have taken this uh, novel and they have invented many work of art music. I don't know, comics, paintings, sculpture, uh, dresses, and so on. And that also this book has uh, given the idea to doing archaeology survey of Cartagena. And now we we have all that in the same show, your archaeology, comic, opera, uh, fine art, and so on. And um, I would like to invite people to go to the museum and do their own uh, melding pot and uh, their own their own uh, entries in the collection because all things can be to connect it one with the other and the look we have to the collection is changing because people can connect much more to um, their own prospect and their own uh, attempt so we, we we are experiencing that new way of uh, displaying collection with new entries even like following the, the imagination of a writer through the collection. And uh, I think we don't need f- more 40 Monet to have a good show. <laughs> we need just have good ideas and good, good, uh, good, to- good stories to tell. Yes, I couldn't agree more. And what you're talking about is just more entry points for people to access the great treasures of our museums. And the treasures are hidden as well. As you said, that sometimes the... The big names um, 
uh, need to be explored, but also we need to think about the names not known in, in the history of art and the works that are, haven't been shown. In, in Portland, we have an exhibition that we're opening up next month on Ansel Adams, and Ansel Adams was one of the great photographers of the American West. But what's interesting about that show is we're expanding the conversation around his work and, and thinking about contemporary photographers and how they've responded not only to Adam's display of the American West, but, you know, problematizing the issues around um, the West and the development in America and how we has developed our, our natural resources and our lands and different perspectives, how uh, people of different backgrounds, um, artists of color or different orientations are presenting the landscape. And it's a it's a really exciting story. We're thrilled that it's going to be opening up here in Portland uh, here soon. And, and hopefully we can um, have uh, many people come. Well, Savan, thank you so much. And, and I will say for everyone listening, um, we both live in incredibly beautiful cities. We b- live in beautiful communities. And um, it's well worth your trip when people have time to get to Rouen as well as Portland. I'm going to close with thanking you for listening to Art Unbound. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you can be alerted when the next episode is released. I'd like to thank Savannah Meek for joining me in our conversation and the team at Musée des Beaux-Arts de Rouen for helping make this happen. I'd also like to thank Frame, the French-American Museum Exchange, for providing the funds to make this series possible. Thank you also to Mark Orton for providing the music for this episode and John Richardson, our producer here at the Portland Art Museum. Be sure to visit portlandartmuseum.org and nwfilm.org to learn about our exhibitions, learning and community partnerships, film center opportunities, and ways to support our organizations. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sylvan. Great to see you. Stay safe and stay well. Thank you very much, Brian.